0: listening to the weekly sermon from Antioch East Baptist Church located in Magnolia, Arkansas. For more information about our faith and local congregation, visit antiocheast.com. And the Bible says, For the promise that he would be, talking about Abraham, that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed and not only to those who are of the law but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. Now look at verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope, believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Now, let me cover what we have done so far in review in these verses. In verses 1 through 8, we answered the question, was Abraham saved by good deeds? Abraham boasted in God. He showed it through worship. He showed it through obedience. Abraham believed God. He believed his character. He believed that God would do what he said he would do. He believed his covenant, and he believed his calendar. In other words, he trusted after a little bit of help that God would do what he'd do in his timing. See, Abraham was born of God. He was accounted righteous by faith. Faith is accounted for righteousness, verse 3 and 5. And number two, he was announced righteous by God because in verse 2 and 5 it says he was justified, which means that God declared Abraham guiltless. I love that. Abraham, fourthly and lastly, or D in my outline, Abraham is backed up by David. Now, that brings us to point two. Point two is this, or the question number two, was Abraham saved? And this is where we begin today. We preached all that last week. Was Abraham saved by the the sign of circumcision? Verses 9 through 12 cover this question. Uh, Now that I think of it, we did not even read it. But look at verse 9. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all. All those who believe though they are uncircumcised that righteousness might be imputed to them also and the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision but who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised that's the word circumcision way much more than I'm comfortable saying but, but there it is it's in the word of God. Number one the very act of the physical biological act of circumcision the mark of the Jewish nation every male was commanded and Abraham was the first one commanded to be circumcised but it became a name of ethnicity later and even in these verses, sometimes it's used to identify an ethnic group, Israel. Israel was circumcised. Now, the question is, was Abraham saved by circumcision? Because the Jews gloried in that sign. They gloried in that sign. They love to say, we are not of the uncircumcised, filthy Philistines or the Gentiles it became a curse word against those that did not receive the mark of circumcision. And so Abraham was the first one, and he was commanded to circumcise all of his children. Now, first of all, we see a question. We see a question. Verse 9, and verse nine the first part of the verse, Does this blessedness, salvation, the gospel, then come upon the circumcision only? So that's the point. Do you have to be circumcised to be saved? Because the Jews would have said, yes, you did. Did salvation only come to those who were circumcised? Did the act of circumcision determine whether one can be saved or not? It was a command of God. It was a command given to Abraham. But let's look at the fact that it brings out here. Look at the second part of that verse. Or upon the uncircumcised only, for we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. Number one, we see the question, are we saved by by some mark, by some baptism, or something like that? Number two, the fact is that faith, he says plain, outright, faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. So the answer is no, you don't have to do some ritual You don't have to do some some sign to be saved. Abraham was saved because he placed faith in God. By the way, that's a quotation from Genesis 15, 6. Abraham was declared righteous. God in heaven declared legally, Abraham, you are not guilty of sin. You are righteous. You are righteous. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, Abraham, I am just when I justify you and declare that you're not guilty. Abraham was declared righteous because he had faith in God. This is clearly stated. And look at timing. The timing also answers the question for us. The facts answer the question, but the timing. Look at verse 10 here. How then was it accounted while he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. (laughs) He uses that word a lot there, but what he's saying is that Abraham was saved before he was circumcised. When God declared Abraham righteous, he was still uncircumcised. So we see the timing proves that you don't have to have some ritual to be saved. Abraham was made righteous by faith before he received the mark of circumcision. Now, let's look number four at the explanation. The explanation, verse 11 uh, brings this out. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness of faith, which he had while still uncircumcised. Oh, this is good. Number one, let me tell you what circumcision is. Now, I'm not saying it's the same, but it's very much like what we call baptism. Baptism doesn't save. Baptism doesn't save. It is just like circumcision. And listen to what it says. Number one, circumcision was a, and I quote, sign sign. You say, Brother Ron, what does that mean? Well, it's very simple. Let me ask you something. If you were coming from Texas, you're coming down I-30 there, and you're coming into Texarkana, and and you enter into Arkansas, and as Jim Hall told us when we were coming back from uh, uh, Eaton meeting one night, we crossed from Texas, Arkansas, and Jim Hall, and if you knew him, this is going to be hilarious to you, went, woo! Scared me to death. I was driving. Like to kill us on. I said, what in the world wrong? He said, you smell that? We just entered into the promised land, Arkansas. <laughs> but when you enter into Arkansas, if I'm not mistaken, there's a sign that says, welcome to Arkansas. Let me tell you something. If that sign falls over, does that mean you're never going to get to go to Arkansas? Does that mean that you never, when you pass 71 there, that you are not really in Arkansas? There was no sign, therefore there's no Arkansas. No, it was just a sign to let you know and to let others know that, hey, you are now no longer on Foreign Mission Field of Texas. You have come into the motherland of Arkansas. That's what it is, it's a sign. A sign for a curve that says curve, 25 miles an hour on the road. If it's taken down, do you still have to slow down if you're going 70? You better. Well, there's no sign. I don't have to slow down. eh? It's just a sign, and it has no saving power. It just indicates that it already happened. It's just an indication. And when you come up and you receive the sign of baptism, And we... We submerge you which is the biblical way of baptism into the waters like you're dead we don't sprinkle dust on you when you're dead we put you all the way under amen and then we bring you up which symbolizes newness of life it symbolizes the death burial and resurrection of Christ it symbolizes that you were dead in your sin but Jesus came and he's made you alive it symbolizes that one day the trumpet's going to sound and you will be buried if we're buried in the dirt that we'll be raised to new life eternal forever with him. And that's why the Bible says to lift up your head for your redemption draweth nigh. You didn't get that by baptism. Baptism just tells everybody, hey, they've been born again. That's what circumcision was. Circumcision was a seal. I've got to go on. Circumcision not only was a sign, but it was a seal. And circumcision was a seal. Baptism is a seal in many ways. We're identifying, we are no longer ours, we're his, basically. The seven seals in Revelation, remember that? Who is worthy to open the scroll and to unloose the seals? And it was Jesus. Why? Because his name is stamped on those seals. Wax seals would have a signet imprinted on them, signifying the one authorized to open the sealed item. It was an outer sign of an inward reality that seal says there's a message in here it's not the message if you saw that seal on the book of romans you wouldn't get the message until you what looked inside and see what the seal represented it was not the letter but an icon of the letter and that's what the blessed sign of circumcision was. It was not salvation. It was the sign that you were. Now you say, brother Ron. I tell you what. I'm saved, but I'm not going to get baptized. You're not saved then. You're not saved. Said, so, but I thought you said that you got to be. You don't have to be baptized to be saved. Yeah, but you can't. You can't say that you know Jesus Christ, and the very first thing you start doing is disobeying him. That shows me that you don't have the Spirit of God living inside of you. It's not that baptism saved you. It's that your disobedience showed us that you never truly were saved. So, he wasn't saved by circumcision. Circumcision was a sign. It was not only a sign physically that he was God, it was a sign spiritually that, hey, God told me to do this, and I want to tell you, I'm 100 years old, I believe in God, and I'm going to be circumcised but thirdly the third question that these verses answer was abraham saved by circumcision the number 3 was abraham saved by keeping the law the promise that he Abraham would be the heir of the world he was going he was promised by God to be the heir of the world and he really was and God promised him all that land and everything but he said i'm going to make you the father of many nations he was he was literally and actually the father of the midianites he was actually the father of the uh uh um Um, edomites and he was the father of all the descendants of ishmael and all the descendants of esau and he had other children with uh, uh, his second wife that we don't often think about and abraham was the father of many nations but we know this one thing he was the father of god's chosen people the israelites God called Abraham out of his father's house and gave him a promise of a land, of a lineage and of a spiritual blessing to all people. But what did he do to receive that? Did he keep the law? Did God say you do this, 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 and this and I will give you these promises? No. We saw, we read uh, uh, last week that the covenant he made, he put Abraham to sleep and those dead animals that you're supposed to walk through together to symbolize a covenant, only one person walked through it and it was God. It was God. Abraham was asleep over in a corner watching it all with a vision. Why? Why? Why aren't you required to be saved by keeping the law? Why? Because you can't. You're a bunch of liars of whom I'm chief. You're a bunch of blasphemers. We steal and we kill. Yes, we kill, with, maybe not with our hands, but with our hearts and our minds. And we disobey our parents. Now, young, know, we always talk to the young people about this, but I want to tell you something. Everybody in here has a mom and a daddy somewhere, somehow. A grandma or a grandpa or an elder that raised you and helped you and the Bible says to honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the earth which the Lord thy God has given thee. It's one of the Ten Commandments and every one of us in this room have thoughts of regret how we treated our parents. So if you're going to be saved by the law, you're being intellectually ignorant. Because you know, hey, listen, I'm the preacher. I'm the holy man. <laughs> I had to laugh real quick before my wife did. I'm just, a, I'm just like everybody else. I'm a sinner, and thank God i saved by grace. I'm telling you, I had to be saved by grace. The problem is some people will admit it, confess it, and beg God to forgive it, and others want to walk around with their nose in the air as if they were God's gift to this earth. righteousness through faith receives the promise. Righteousness through faith. How in the world can I, by the way, that's what's required to get you to heaven. We've covered this already, but let me restate it. To get to heaven, you gotta be perfectly righteous. There's our problem, amen? He just spent three chapters telling us there's not one of us that can do it. And right here, our righteousness that we get to go to heaven, we receive it by faith. It's God's righteousness that we have. Two explicit statements in these verses show this. Number one, it says the promise was not to Abraham or to his seed—that's verse thirteen—through the law. It was not to Abraham through and his seed through the law. And number two, the explicit statement: the promise was to Abraham and to his seed through the righteousness of faith. It's as simple as you can get. I mean, how in the world you can read a page of the Book of Romans and not come away with saying, "If we're going to be saved, we must be saved by faith." The law had not been given to Abraham, by the way. That wasn't given until 500 years later. There was no law to be given. Scripture clearly states that Abraham's righteousness was given to him by God through his simple believing God's word. And listen to how believing he was. Abraham heard the voice of God, never heard it. He was in the pile of idols in his father's tent in the land of Ur somehow God came to him and said, Abraham, get up, get out and go. You know what Abraham did? We don't see any conversation between him and God. All we see is that Abraham got up and went and left and did exactly what God said. See, obedience proves that you really have faith. It's not the obedience that saved you. The obedience came because you had the faith. Number two, righteousness through the law revokes the promise. I'm going to tell you something. If you decide today that you're going to be saved by good works, God will not give you the promise. You say, well, that's mean. No, it's not. It's fair. If you say to God, thank you for that bloody cross, but no thank you. I'll do it myself. Then God is obligated to give you what you get for trying to keep the law. If, it says, if keeping the law saves, number one, faith is made void. That's why I was saying, you know what you do when you try to be saved by your good works and your good deeds and say, I think I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, I'm wise enough, I can do it on my own, I think I'm a pretty good person, it all sounds sweet and nice and good, but what you're actually doing is slapping a crucified Christ in the face. You're spitting on Calvary you're spitting on calvary if keeping the law saves faith is made void it's stupid it's crazy talk it's useless faith is if you think you can be saved by the law why do I need God's righteousness through faith if I can produce my own perfect righteousness I don't need faith then that's what you're saying but you're just wrong (laughs) you are you are eternally wrong number two if keeping the law saves the promise is made of no effect Of no effect. No one will receive the promise of God by the law because no one can keep the law. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And Jesus said the second greatest commandment is you shall love your neighbor as yourself my friend if you've ever never if you have ever not loved god with all your heart mind soul and strength you are going to hell if you have ever not loved your neighbor your fellow man as you love yourself you are going to hell and there is no hope for you if that's what you're depending upon verse 14, for if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise is made of no effect. Listen, because the law brings about wrath. That's the only thing that the law can do for you is to bring about wrath. So if you're going to try to be saved by the law, I'm telling you all it's going to give you is hell and the wrath of God forever and ever. Number three, or C in your outline, righteousness through faith reveals the plan. To receive the promises, you must be righteous. You are not righteous. If you have faith in God, in particular, the gospel, you will receive the promises. God gives you his righteousness. This is explained in verse 16, that it may be according to grace. Here's the plan. God says there's a bunch of humans going to hell without hope and they will cannot and will not save themselves. I will save them free of charge, freely by my grace. March 3rd, 1976, he reached down into Windsor Park Baptist Church and he, by his grace, saved Ron Owen. (laughs) His plan is to do it by grace, not by your works, but by his grace. Number four, our you outlined righteousness through faith rescues all people. All the seed, look at that. All the seed does not refer to Ethnic Israel. I don't believe it does. Those who are of the law, I think, refers to ethnic Israel. And then that phrase there in the verse, of the faith of Abraham refers to all others who place faith in Jesus. Now the the, the point is this. If you look at these verses here, look at verse 16. Look at verse 16. Use this here. Verse 16, and it says, Therefore, it is by faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. That's the the, uh, the descendants. All of the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of faith. Everybody that's saved by faith are the descendants of Abraham. You know, you remember the song, "I uh, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, I am one of them and so are you. So let's just pray, everybody join in. Right arm, Father Abraham had many sons. You heard that. And in a sense, by the way, the word is not father in these verses, it's the word forefather. It's the word forefather. Forefather. And we see, now let me tell you something, Adam was saved by grace through faith. Eve was saved by grace through faith. Anybody and everybody from Adam on was saved by faith. But Abraham was where God started teaching us about this and calling out a people for his own. And, and, and some people say all of Israel is saved. Everybody's a descendant of Abraham. Ask Esau if that's true. Ask Ishmael and his kids if that are true. Let me tell you, who saved, tell you who saved Israel. All those that believe in Jesus. All those that believe God back before Jesus came. Those are the true Israelites. Anyway, the point is this, is that Abraham is our forefather of faith. Lastly, and we're finished, righteousness through faith results in praise to God alone. Righteousness through faith results in praise to God alone. Verse 17, look at the last of verse 17. It says, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And look at verse 20, the last, the very last of it, that Abraham was saved by faith, giving glory to God. We already said this, didn't we? Where is boasting? That's the question we asked earlier. Where is boasting? It is gone. It's done. It's over. Why? Because nobody's saved of their own accord. Everybody that's saved is saved by grace through faith in Christ. Verse 16 says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only those who are in the law, but also those who are of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as is written, I made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, which was God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which are not to exist as though they did. Why did he put that in there? Because he wants you to know this, that if you're alive in Christ today, you're alive because he made you alive. Not because of some will that you rustled up in yourself, but totally and finally and always from the gracious, merciful hand of God. You didn't run to him. We sang that song today. One of those songs had a bad line in it about how we seek him. We've already learned this in Romans. No one has ever sought God. He sought me. I was dead. I'm not always, I don't listen to John Hagee. I don't listen to him a lot. But one day I just happened to catch him. Bless bless his heart, he was preaching good on that day. And John Hagee said, he said, I want to tell you something. I didn't run to God. He said, I was running as fast away from God as I could until God slapped me down on the back of my grandparents' porch and saved me. Well, he got that right. His prophecy may be eschewed and his uh, thoughts on tongues may be wrong. But bless God, that's right. It is God that pursued you. It is God that came to you. It is God that opened your heart, and opened your eyes, and opened your ears to receive His gospel, and you came willingly because of His grace. He said, "No, brother, on I chose. I did. It. No, let me tell you, you were dead." That Bible does not say you were sick in sin it says you were dead in your trespasses and And then it says on revisions you whom he made alive i'm about to have a pentecostal fit right there <laughs> all right listen i may act like a pentecostal i believe like a baptist amen no don't get that confused i thank god that he opened my heart and my eyes i love my sin And Jesus loved me, and he came to me, and he rescued me. I I, I think it was uh, the guy over in Texas uh, that gave the illustration. He said, a lot of people look at the uh, deal of uh, the the story of David and Goliath. Who was that that gave this illustration? Matt Chandler. He said a lot of people look at the story of David and Goliath in Israel and they always picture them and always talk about you being David and Goliath being Satan. He said, you're not David. Jesus is David. You're the stinking coward sitting on the other side with all the Israelites. And Jesus came and rescued you from yourself, sin, and Satan. So. All glory be to Christ, my King. All glory be to Christ. That's the song we sing. Only God, only God can cause what is dead to be raised to life. Only God can initiate life from the dead and only God can create something from nothing. And I was less than nothing and God came and changed me. It is the grace of God. And all glory be to Him. By faith in Christ, we do not just join a club or become members of an elite group. No, we are made to be new creatures. What was dead in us, our spirit, has been made alive by God's grace alone. This is a greater miracle than raising Lazarus from physical death. And all glory be to God.